At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. Our Father, we come to you because we recognize that we have nothing in and of ourselves. Even our breath and the beating of our heart, Lord, is because you are sustaining, you are providing, you are giving. So thank you for being that type of a God. Our songs ring out today, Lord, because you are on the throne, because you are ruling and reigning over all things. They cry out today, our songs cry out because you have opened the eyes of our hearts to understand who you are, at least in part. You've revealed yourself through your word. Our hearts have borne witness to that, Lord, as we've embraced this truth that you are a God that gives you are a God that gives forgiveness, a God of compassion, a God of mercy. Lord, you are a God of amazing grace. Lord, because of all these attributes, of all these actions that you have demonstrated, Lord, together we say thank you. We thank you for how you've cared for us. So we sing today. Many have given gifts today in the offering. Maybe this, this week in the giving, uh, you have demonstrated, Lord, your faithfulness. So we've responded through our generosity and our giving. We, we've given to you with joy and thankfulness. I pray you'd use the gifts financially that we've given, Lord, to accomplish your purpose, to spread the name of Jesus, because we know the whole earth should sing your praises, that people from every nation, Lord, would declare you as good and loving and faithful and merciful. And Lord, as we think of the world, we think of the people that are in harm's way even right now we think of the war in Israel we pray that Lord that you would bring peace to Jerusalem and to that land we pray for the earthquake in Afghanistan I pray that Lord there would be peace there there'd be help that comes their way and Lord we pray for this community and this nation we pray, Lord, that more and more people would come to know you, that they would experience the greatness of your power as you touch their life and fill their hearts and cause them to know your love and your mercy. And as we spend time in your word, we pray, Father, that our hearts would be more aware of who you are and how much you love to be with us. Thanks for your Holy Spirit. We welcome his presence here. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. Thanks for singing, thanks for praying with us, and you can be seated. Thanks, worship team.
for leading today. Sarah, whoa. This work? No. All right. We'll stay right here. <laughs> With Sarah and Jimmy and Joe and Don, grateful for you. Thank you for using your gifts. Don't you appreciate the worship team? Thank you. Well, this morning we're going to teach from a passage that we taught on back in 2020, specifically on March 15th, 2020. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4, or if you have your devices, feel free to, uh, to find that page. If you don't have a Bible app, I encourage the version to you. Um, it's a really a wonderful thing, and maybe some of you have noticed that on version on that Bible app, if you go to locations... Then you can go to on locations, you put in your zip code, and it will you'll see Woodside Bible Church of Algonac. Click on that, and we'll open up our sermon notes to a place where you can take notes and, and interact with the passage that we're looking at today. Um, so it's a really wonderful tool uh, that we have. But back March 15th, 2020, we we're actually having service in our um, in our office building up there because of the events that had just transpired. That week, earlier in the week, I was driving back with my family from weeks of vacation in Florida. Wonderful time, but during vacation, we heard more and more news reports of this virus that was starting to wreak havoc on a global scale. What was originally a situation in China, then spread to various places in Europe, and now then, at that point in March, first couple of weeks of March, there are isolated cases in the good old U.S. of A. Uh, and got a phone call from uh, some of the other leaders at Woodside and said we we're having an emergency meeting. And so they told me the time. And at that time, we pulled off the highway, off I-75 into a rest area and joined the call where from that point, Point on, we started to discuss this thought of what do you mean not having service on Sunday? And there was at that point, can, is the amplification still going or do we lose our mic? Are we good? Okay, all right. Um, so my thought at that point was well, this is Algonac, we'll, we'll be just fine. But by the time I got home, I got a phone call from the school district saying that the school where we were meeting presently was locking up and we didn't have access to the school. So, hmm, now what do we do? Well, we had this little office building around the corner with a little meeting room in the middle of it. So we put the word out and said, hey, for church, we're going to be meeting up there. And so, I don't know, there was 40 or some people that gathered in that little space. And Instead of preaching from the book of Ephesians, that we were right in the middle of studying through that book, we decided to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through verse 41, because we believe that that was something important that God wanted us to know and remember as we headed into this season of unknown, where all the world seemed to be shaking and trembling, and what was 
assumed can no longer be assumed, and the normal was now going to be a thing of the past. A new normal was setting in. And I hope we learned a lot from Mark chapter 4, but I found that when trouble comes to our world, some of the things that we've learned maybe have a hard time being practiced. You know what I mean? You know the difference? There's some things that you know and some things that you would say you believe, but then when circumstances happen, sometimes our actions may betray our unbelief in those things that we know. So how do we respond when storms come into our life? We see in this passage in Mark chapter 4 as the chapter closes that Jesus does reign over all the world, over all of creation. Jesus reigns. That means when the storms hit our lives, we can trust that he is greater than the storms that we're experiencing. So as we look at this passage, I want us to be noticing What's Jesus doing in the storm? So let's dive in. Mark chapter 4, in verse 35. Mark 4, 35 says, On that day, uh, let me just pause right there. On that day, this is the same day, if you've been here the past couple of weeks, maybe you remember what happened on that day. Some of the things are, uh, Jesus did a whole lot of teaching. He taught some parables. Uh, to this massive crowd of people, so large so that uh, it kind of pushed him to the shore of the Lake Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, so where his followers saw the, the, the danger, and so they had Jesus get into a boat, they pulled him out into the water so that the crowd couldn't push any further. It could grow as large as it could grow, and Jesus would be kept safe, and he could teach from this fisherman's boat. This was the same day that Jesus was responding to some opposition that he was facing. Remember, the scribes came from Jerusalem to confront him on the things he was teaching, and they concluded that he had a demon, that Jesus of Nazareth was demon-possessed. His family had a different opinion. They just thought he was crazy. He thought he was out of his mind, and they just came to him and tried to, come on, Jesus, let's take you home. Maybe you just need to go to bed, get a good meal in you, and stop saying such crazy things. So all of that confrontation, all of that relational discord that was happening in Jesus' life, the the physical exhaustion of teaching all day long, was the day that this passage is talking about. Let's go back to it. On that day, when evening had come, he said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. In other words, he didn't go grab some snacks or freshen up a bit or, or make sure they had everything. He was already in the boat, and they said, we're not bowing back to shore. If we're going to the other side of the lake, we're just going now. So they pulled up anchor, and they turned the boat, and 
went to go across the sea. There's other boats with him, it says. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So two major descriptions in that text that you notice, you can't miss. First of all, the storm rises up. Now, the Sea of Galilee is located in what they call today the Jordan Rift. It's this, it's this, um, this crevice in geography surrounded by cliffs, but around, uh, with cliffs surrounding it resides this lake. The lake, the surface of the lake is actually 700 feet below sea level. Completely surrounded by cliffs except for where the Jordan River comes in in the north and where the Jordan River goes out in the south. So because of that landscape, it's often protected from high winds. The waters are normally calm. That's why it was such an ideal place to have a living catching fish. We were there last year in 2022. Here's a picture that I took of this, of this seaside. Uh, actually, this is a picture of a boat. There we go. There's this. <laughs> Here's the seaside. This is the Sea of Galilee, today called Lake Tiberias. This is what you would normally see on the, on the lake. Because it was a very uh, arid climate, because it's protected, you see the cliffs all around. It was typically calm at sea. Let's go back to that boat picture. This is interesting. About 20 years ago, uh, they discovered under, as the water is receding, like most parts of the world, as water recedes, there was a little bit of wood that was protruding out of the sand. And archaeologists came and they revealed that this was a fishing boat dated to the first century. So this is a fishing boat of size and shape and construction, very similar, maybe identical to the boat that Jesus was on in this story of Mark chapter 4. So you see, it's not a large boat. You see my beautiful wife in the background there. Uh, you, so so this is, a, this is a, a ship very similar, if some would say. Maybe this is the one Jesus was on. Yeah, maybe, but it's very similar. All right, and then the next picture gives us a glimpse of the Sea of Galilee, and we can see how that'd be a very fitting boat to ride on the beautiful, placid waters of the sea. While there, I had asked some locals at a restaurant we, we had dinner at and ate one of the fish that was caught in that sea, and it was a really wonderful time. I asked them, does this sea ever like get really stormy? And they said, well, some say it has. Hasn't in my lifetime. The wind kind of blew up um, while we were eating there, and pretty soon the, the waves started splashing up and got our feet. We had to lift our feet uh, a, a couple times because water came over. But I'm telling you, that maybe a couple feet waves, nothing, nothing big. So that was on May 11th, 2022. Next day, we... 
boarded our vans. We went down and took the, the route to Jerusalem, and we were there seeing some other, some other incredible sights. And then we looked at the news that gave the report of a storm that blew in to the Sea of Galilee. And here's a video of this storm like six days after I took that picture. This is the Sea of Galilee that people had not seen this kind of storm, many of them their entire lives of living there. Can you imagine? This is the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. Can you imagine being in one of those boats when water turned into that? This is what Jesus and his disciples were encountering. A storm of this kind of magnitude. What was Jesus doing when the storm came? <laughs> That's the second major description in this passage. He was asleep in the stern of that boat on a cushion. What we want to consider today is this. When there seems to be no hope, when the storm seemed to be greater than the safety we feel that we have, Jesus remains calm and at peace. Amen. When you are facing the storm of your lives, like in this scene when the disciples were facing the storm of their lives, Jesus remains calm and at peace. I mean, no doubt. No doubt he was emotionally spent. No doubt he was physically exhausted. It's another evidence that Jesus truly was a human. When Jesus came to earth, he took on human flesh. He was 100% man. And yet because of his true identity that he did not let go of. He was fully God, just as he was at the center of heaven. He just let go of kind of the authority of, reign, of, of expressing his power of deity, but he was still fully God. Here we see that he was fully man, calm and at peace. What do you do in a storm? What do you do when the waves are kicking up? Well, we typically aren't sleeping, are we? Wait a second, though. This past summer, we had some quite a bit of thunderstorms, didn't we? I mean, some of them, you think, wow, I don't remember seeing just so many splash, flash, 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 boom, boom, boom. And some of you said, oh, really? It happened last night? What were you doing? Sleeping through it. Why were you sleeping? Because you were in a sanctuary that you knew could withstand the storms. Why do you know that? Because it's withstood the storms before. You're probably like most kids. Early in life, when the storms came, you had to run to mom and dad's room because you were afraid of the storm. And what were mom and dad doing? They're trying to sleep. But you hadn't learned this yet, that actually there's a home that's been constructed that was constructed to withstand the storms in our, in our community. So you had a sanctuary there. So you ask, well, why was Jesus sleeping in this storm? Because he had a sanctuary 
He had a confidence in his father's protection, in his father's care, so he could face the storm calmly and at peace. He lived under the sanctuary of his father's care. The trust in this father who is all-knowing, all-powerful, perfectly sovereign and loving, so he could literally sleep in the storm. That's why Jesus, just a few days earlier, had told his disciples something very important. He said, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you wear, clothing. Don't be worried about your body, because isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be cared for. They'll be given to you. Jesus understood the words of the ancient scriptures where over 350 times it's commanded, fear not. Don't be afraid. As some have said, that's a command for every day of the year. Where Jesus and God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says to us, don't be afraid. When the storms come even, don't be afraid. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, fear not for I am with you. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel when they were in exile in Babylon. When their whole homeland was obliterated by King Nebuchadnezzar. Did they have a future? Did they have hope? Had God given up on them? God says to them, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. Jesus could take that truth and then share that with his disciples in this way. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this Jesus who knows everything, This Jesus who is with you is not anxious about the storms in your life. Now, you might be, but if Jesus is with you and he's not worried, maybe worry isn't the thing that we need to do. Maybe there's a better option. But the disciples, they weren't quite there yet. Verse 38 says, but they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. What does Jesus do in the storm? He speaks with authority because he has authority over creation. They were frantic. They were even accusatory. They, they, they misinterpreted his calmness and his peace for carelessness. They said, Jesus, if you aren't worried, you must not care about us. And instead of Jesus revealing, instead of Jesus saying to them, oh, so you still don't trust me? See ya. I'm going to find some people that will. He doesn't do that, does he? No, despite their fear and their anxiety and their doubt, he still responds to their needs and says, peace, be still, 
And that's exactly what happened. Now, it's really interesting. I hadn't seen this passage correlating to this passage before as I studied this this week. But a thousand years before this incident with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, the psalmist wrote a psalm, a hymn, a poem that's numbered 107. Psalm 107. Listen to this. This is a thousand years before this happened in Jesus' life. Verse 24 in Psalm 107, he, said, he writes, They saw the deeds of the Lord and his wondrous works in the deep. He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Doesn't that sound like Mark chapter 4? Well, it wasn't. This is the psalmist's poetic experience. That's when I, I look at my life. I see times where I was in a storm indescribable. It was like, it, it was like I was riding the waves that sent me way up and then crashed me way down. And I thought I was going to die. And I cried out to God. And I discovered he knew my plight. And at just the right time, he calmed the sea. And he led me to desired haven. I didn't even know I needed to go there. But he led me there through the storm. He led me to a place better than I had thought I was going. This is the kind of God I worship. He writes as he pens that a thousand years before. And then Jesus said, just in case you didn't get that, in case you didn't pick up the message of the poem, let me show it to you, disciples. Let's go in the sea. Let's let the waves kick up and crash you down. When you get all frantic and you doubt God's care, I'll just say, peace be still, and it will. And you'll be left with that awe, that sense that says, wow, who is this? You see, in our secular age today, especially in this culture where technology has solved almost every one of our problems, when we're sick, we got medicine to go to, well, with side effects. But, you know, at least we have medicine to take away some of the symptoms. We've got some treatments plans that, that restore our health. Well, it has some side effects, but at least it helps us move along. All right, we got technology that, that, that cares for all the comfort needs in our life and road system and in, in information system, so many things. So many people are tempted just to trust in all those things, aren't they? In fact, some have even suggested, well, I wonder if the reason why we don't see as many miracles happening around us today is because we rely on all these other things. Whereas you go to as many parts of the world where believers have not this free access to health care and easy access, and they don't have the information and the internet to give them all the YouTube videos to solve all their problems. They just go to God. And God says, oh, finally, somebody's asked. And so he gladly steps in and cares for them. Maybe, maybe that's why that's true. Maybe, maybe it is. But this one thing I do know, that those that rely on the solutions we come up with, 
will eventually reach the end of the road. They'll eventually reach to the place where technology can't solve it. The internet doesn't address it. Where the developments from people can't produce a cure. And we'll be left with only one place to look. And he will never fail. In fact, he'll lead us to a desired haven. A place we didn't even know was so good. A place we didn't know would be so life-giving. What does Jesus do in a storm? He's calm and at peace. What's he do in a storm? He, he rebukes those things that come against us. He speaks with authority over any other power. And third, we see him challenging us to live in fearless faith. The chapter continues, in fact, ends with this. In verse 40, Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were fill, filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Yep, they misinterpreted his rest as carelessness. But they were wrong. They were wrong when they thought they were about to die. They were about to have their insight awakened like never, ever before. It's interesting how the story ends with that question. Jesus says, after all you've seen me do, after I solved your greatest dilemma, do you still doubt me? Paul kind of referenced that similar type of logic when, in Romans chapter 8 when he says that God, who is rich in mercy, who, did not, who didn't withhold his one and only son, but freely gave him for us all, won't he also freely give us all things? Won't he meet all of our needs and solve all of our, our dilemmas? Won't, won't, won't he be there in the midst of every storm? If he's solved our greatest storm, which is our sin that we have no ability to deal with, I mean, there's not one here that can erase the wrong things you've done. And we certainly can't make up for it because once you have sinned, you are a sinner. You can't undo that. You can't solve it because you are the problem. So the problem can't be the solution. But God in his rich and his mercy came in and said, no, I'm, I'll come in with you in that and I will solve it by providing my son as the perfect sacrifice that will be sufficient to take away the sins of the world. For all those who place their faith in him, he grants them cleansing and forgiveness and restoration. So if God will solve our greatest problem, then can't we trust him with the smaller ones? Can't we trust him with the lesser things? That, oh, it may threaten our physical condition, but we know it's not going to threaten our eternal condition. So yeah, we can trust him with this too. So in a storm, in some sense, Jesus is faithfully challenging our faith to say, will you trust me? Will you trust me in this? But I've never been in this storm before. No, but I have. He says to us, I've been here. Remember, I'm ruler over it all. I'm not just in the boat with you. I'm over the storm. 
I'm not, I'm not just someone that can say, oh, man, it hurts, doesn't it? No, I'm someone that says, well, but there is a purpose in all of this, and I will work it all together to lead you to a desired haven, to bring you, to bring about good in your life. Colossians 1, verse 16. This is how the message portrays this verse. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. Jesus reigns over it all. That's the message he gives. That's the message we, we listened to on March 15th, 2020. When COVID, we had no idea what we were heading into. But the truth is, Jesus reigned over it all. He reigned over it all. Look, we made it. Oh, there's, it's not over, Pastor. No, we're still in a fallen world. And yet he still reigns. A desired haven is our destiny. He is. He does. So maybe you're heading into rough waters. Maybe, maybe you're sitting at the Sea of Galilee with a palm tree, right? And that's when you look at your life and you think, oh, no, there's, there's nothing that could happen here. Life is just so good. Well, maybe it's next week. I don't know. Or maybe you'd say, no, I get the video. That's my life right now. And maybe... It's the political chaos and the government shutdown threats that are all around us. Maybe that's what brings the thought of anxiety. Maybe it's the auto worker strike and all the trickle down that will happen. Maybe it's the recession that some are predicting. Maybe it's the war that just started in the Middle East. Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. And in every one of those situations, it requires careful thought, wise decisions. But Jesus has given us convincing evidence that he truly is the one where your ultimate trust can reside. He's the only one. But he's in every storm. And to those that have their faith in him, he's promised to lead you to a desired haven. So when I was in Israel, I saw evidence that the story is true. But in my, how long have I been walking this planet? My 32 years, how old am I now? <laughs> my years of this life, I've also found evidence that his word is true. And so have you. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, you have evidence that God's faithfulness never fails. So in the next storm that comes, remember that. Remember, allow that gift that God has given to you, that ability to remember, where is Jesus in the storm? He's calm and at peace. He's speaking with authority. And he's calling us to a fearless faith. Let's pray together. Father, I am so grateful for how you patiently reside with us, how your word faithfully declares, and how you evidence, Lord, that 
Not only are you alongside of us, you go before us. You are behind us. You are over us. And there is nothing that comes against us, Lord, that is greater than you who holds it all. I thank you, Father, that we do not need to fear. No matter what is coming, no matter what things we feel threaten us, Lord, truly, nothing can take us out of the Father's hand. You know your sheep. You'll care for your sheep. In fact, you've laid your life down for the sheep. And I thank you so much for that truth. So Lord, in those times when storms come, I pray we'll remember to call out to you, knowing that you will hear and you will answer and you will respond. It might not lead us to where we thought we were going to go, but you'll lead us to a desired haven, a place that is good for us. And I thank you for your sovereign care, your endless love, and your matchless power. We rest in that today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.